Welcome to Hear Women Tell. I'm your host, Chris Hillenberg, where we learn the story behind the story as we interview professional storytellers. Today we're going to speak with Eloise Shuttler. She's a storyteller, educator, and a workshop leader. Storytelling entertainment needs cultural preservation when audiences gather to hear Eloise Shuttler give voice to the uncommon experience of extraordinary men and women. Stories that would otherwise never be heard become stories audiences remember. A professional storyteller for nearly 20 years, Eloise's signature programs are surprising combinations of original tales, traditional stories, and family lore. Her programs awaken audiences to the importance of their own personal and family stories. Recent venues include the 2009 Storytelling Festival Exchange Place in Jonesboro, Tennessee, UNC Asheville and Asheville, North Carolina, Telling Moments Theater in D.C., Williamsburg Storytelling Festival in Williamsburg, Virginia, Lehigh Storytelling Festival in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, the Rogue Festival in Fresno, California, Strathmore Hall Arts Center in Bethesda, Maryland, the Speakeasy in Washington, D.C., Levine Museum of the New South in Charlotte, South Carolina, St. Mary's College in Morgana, California, and Maryland Historical Society in Baltimore, Maryland. Louise, I'd like to welcome you to the show today. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for having me on the program. It's a great pleasure and a privilege. Well, you're welcome. I'd like to um, I'd like to start out today by asking how you got into storytelling. Well, uh, I got into storytelling actually doing it in front of people uh, about 20 years ago through uh, an accident. I came to it because I was doing some genealogy for my North Carolina family. And I was finding some stories that interested me. Nobody famous, but my folks have been in Mecklenburg County, North Carolina, since before the Revolution. And I was discovering all these farmers that I didn't know who they were or where they had been. And I wanted to tell my adult children about them. And finally, one day, my daughter, in frustration, I guess, uh, we were talking over the phone, she said, Mother, begat, 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 and then they died. That's boring. So the clue was she wasn't listening and they didn't want to listen. And by a serendipitous chance, my husband and I picked up some tickets for the Washington Storytellers Theater here in the Washington area. And a woman named Milbury Birch, a national storyteller, was telling that night. We had never experienced this before. This was in the mid-1990s. And Milbury was doing a allergy, an allergy for her father. And I grabbed my husband's arm and I began to squeeze and squeeze. And I said, I'm doing that and they are going to come. I'm doing that and they come. They are afraid to come because I put them in the stories. And so it, that just sort of launched it. I was not trained um as a formal storyteller, but I was born of Southern women in North Carolina. I was raised listening to my aunts and my relatives not tell fairy tales. They talked about each other. Uh-huh. So telling family stories was perfect for me. That's how I had learned. And um, I've been a lecturer. I had lectures in colleges and taught school, and so speaking was not a problem. The irony of it was, is that when I got this started, I started off telling one-hour programs. I never knew what it was just to have a ten-minute story. So about ten years into this, I realized that, hey, I didn't have to do an hour every time I went up to tell a story. I could tell with a few other people, and I only had to carry ten or fifteen minutes of the program. That was a great relief. So I got into it as... um, subversive activity and I still think storytelling is subversive well what do you mean by subversive well because storytellers the 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 shortest distance between two people this is not original to me everybody says it the shortest distance between two people is a story so you can you can reveal yourself um, you know, your beliefs, your uh, values. Uh, you can connect with people and give them a story that may or may not persuade them to change their mind. Um, 
In the 70s, I was a lobbyist for women artists nationwide in Washington, and I must have been doing a lot of storytelling at that time because that's the whole purpose, is you tell your story, you tell your problem, whatever you want, in a way that will reach through to somebody else. Um, I understand you're also a visual artist and that you uh, also were the president of a two-year accredited college. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about that? Oh, well, yes, I am a visual artist. I went back to school after my children in 1968 on to a master's degree in painting from American University. So I've uh, been an exhibiting artist in the Washington area and various places across the country uh, for 35, 40 years. And I started out as a painter and then moved on to collage. I was tra- had a job where I was traveling, and I started making collages. You know, you have to adapt to your circumstance, and I never looked back. It was just my media. I mean, bits and pieces, bits and pieces. And um, so I guess in, 19, in the 1980s, yes, I did the foolish thing of accepting a job as a president of a college. It was a two-year, <laughs> two-year college of art and design here in Silver Spring, Maryland, uh, the Maryland College of Art and Design. It has now been absorbed into Montgomery County, Montgomery College here. And it was a fabulous experience um, in over my head, as always, very challenged, uh, but the opportunity to provide and to support a place that was providing uh, education for artists, uh, young students who weren't quite ready for prime time, but in this sort of pressure cooker school, that faculty had developed a curriculum that could push kids so that in two years we were transferring out students to uh, Maryland Institute in Baltimore or Pratt in New York. or they, they were just stepping over and getting to that next level. And we were also providing a lot of opportunity for returning students people who wanted to try to be an artist or to, you know, really engage themselves that way. Yeah, I understand exactly what you mean. Most people don't know this about me, but I was actually a, an art major in college. Terrific. And uh, my media has actually been uh, pen and ink, actually. But the, the way that I've always viewed it is that um, art of any kind actually helps people see the world differently, see their, see their lives differently. Right. One of the things, you're absolutely right, pen and ink is a very challenging media, you know, so that, um, well, I'm awed by that. But, you know, that one of the things we tried to tell the students in our school was that you're not going to make a living probably as a fine artist. So look for ways in which you can continue to use your art and support yourself, such as graphic design and other things, and just think practically as you go out into the world, you know, that we all have our dreams, but we also have to live. Well, Eloise, I'm really enjoying this conversation. We do need to take a short break. Uh, one of the things I wanted to let people know is how to spell your name, which is Eloise, E-L-L-O-U-I-S-E, and Shuttler is actually spelled S-C-H-O-E-T-T-L-E-R. And I'd like other professional storytellers to know if you'd like to be interviewed on Hear Women Tell, you can reach me via email. And the email is tell at hearwomentalk.com. And we'll be right back with Eloise Shuttler for more of the story behind the story on Hear Women Tell. This is Paul Trulove on Zeus Radio Network for HearWomenTalk.com. Hello, race fans. This is Jeff Gilder, creator of RacersReunion.com. When you're in Myrtle Beach, check out my favorite, the Caravelle Resort. The Caravelle Resort has a golf department and concierge with golf privileges at virtually every course on the Grand Strand, including the coveted Dunes Club. And ladies, pamper yourself with Caravelle's Studio Spa, featuring services such as Swedish massage, heated stone therapy, reflexology, manicures, pedicures, facials, and more. Awaken your senses with the most requested massage and spa therapies. The Caravelle Resort, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, 800-507-9145. Get the best rate on the Grand Strand when you use promo code RACERS at thecaravelle.com. 800-507-9145.
Hi, this is John Banks with the Zeus Radio Network and Hear Women Talk. Come join me on Mondays from 2 to 3 p.m. with Bringing Man Out of the Cave. We're going to try to take an interesting look at the male-female dynamic as I try to give you answers as to why men do what they do. Come join me on Mondays. Are you hungry and looking for something delicious and healthy, convenient, quick, and value-packed? Check out our favorite, Jimmy Sabachi. Everything is sizzling and cooked precisely to order, and they use only the freshest ingredients, including sterling silver premium meats. Try their $5 daily lunch chicken plate with fried rice and veggies, or check out their Korean beef lunch plate with sesame and soy and just a slight touch of sweetness. Mmm. For dinner, try their mouth-watering salmon, mahi-mahi, scallops, or tender, juicy filet mignon. You can dine in or take out, and they even have a drive-up window. Jimmy Sabachi delivers, too. Open seven days a week from 11 a.m. to 10.30 p.m. Conveniently located in Myrtle Beach on the corner of Kings Highway and 62nd Avenue North. Call ahead with your order at 839-8008 and download their discount coupon on the hearwomentalk.com website. Scrumptious, fast, healthy, satisfying, and reasonably priced. You'll love Jimmy's Hibachi. 839-8008. Hi, this is Judy Collins from Judy's House of Oldies, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. Welcome back to Hear Women Tell. Uh, today we're interviewing professional storyteller Eloise Shuttler. Eloise, I know you have a lot of uh, things coming up. Um, I see here on September 1st you're going to be at the Kensington Rose Storytelling Salon in Kensington, Maryland. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, Kensington Rose Storytelling Salon is a bookshop in Kensington, Maryland. And this is the fifth year, we'll be starting our fifth year, that I've been producing monthly storytellings in that place with two tellers every month. Um, it's a small place. It was set up. I said it was offered the bookstore. And uh, I set it up so that uh, storytellers could come there and experiment try out new material, and for adult audiences. So I usually tell there at least once, maybe twice a year. And I'm going to be telling in September with a new friend, a new storyteller here in the Washington area, Geraldine Buckley. And I'm really excited about that. Uh, the, the joy of producing here is that I try to find people um, that are new to the area or that are emerging or beginning tellers and uh, sort of give them an opportunity to put a notch on their resume, to try out. We have uh, well-known storytellers who try out material there. Noah Baum has done a, a program a couple of times at the Kensington. Um, Adam Booth from West Virginia was there. So in other words, it's a mix. We usually have a small, enthusiastic audience, and it's all free. Uh, is it open to the public? Absolutely. It's open to the public. Tellers aren't paid. I don't pay rent at that bookstore, and uh, we don't charge. And that's on September the 1st? It's the first Wednesday of every month in Kensington, Maryland. Okay. And um, then on September the 25th, you're at Four Tellers Telling? Four Tellers Telling at Tacoma Park, uh, the Seekers Church in Tacoma Park. And this is a new venture. The Four Tellers are uh, Slash Coleman from Richmond, uh, Adam Booth, a champion liar from West Virginia, and Diane Mackland, who is... Uh, a storyteller from Baltimore. Actually, Diane and I started out in a group together about 12 years ago. And um, we just decided, we were telling together in Hagerstown, Maryland, about six weeks ago, that we liked being together, we liked what we were doing, and that uh, we would just form a little group. And we have. We'll see oh, where it goes and how much more work we do. Oh, that's great. Um Hey, I know you have a blog, but I also noticed on your website that you have something called the Second Wave. Can you explain to us uh, what that's about? Yes, the Second Wave is that for from 1968, 70 to the end, mid 80s, the end of the 80s, I was very active in the Second Wave for women. Is an activist, feminist. Uh, organizer, lobbyist, and I ended that period as the national ERA campaign director for the League of Women Voters during the final days of the campaign to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment. And I'm a story gatherer, 
And I have stories to tell about that period of time, and I know that there are other people that have them. So about four, four months ago, I set up a website uh, on Facebook, a Facebook page called, uh, you can find it by going to facebook.com slash second wave album. And I began uh, posting memorabilia that I have from the period, pictures, odd photographs, and typing in some memories, posting some memories, and encouraging people to come and to post their memories. They're beginning to do that. It takes a little while for something to catch up. We have 93 fans, people that are following us. I was thrilled to see that you signed on. And um, I'm now beginning to get things from other people. Uh, San Francisco Poet has recently sent me a book I'll be posting from. And a lawyer here in Washington has a published article in it called Hung Jury, which is about a battered woman. And she's given me permission to post her entry in the Center Words book from the Washington Women's Arts Center. It's a way of getting people together and um, trying to connect with them. Uh, let me tell you, Chris, out of that has come connections with women's studies groups in colleges. There, I've had contacts from several teachers who are going to be using the Second Wave album as an interactive resource for their students in their women's studies classes. Oh, that's great. Because this is unknown stories. This is not about the famous. This is about the every woman story. Because that campaign was every woman. It was ordinary volunteers. That when I was um, working for the league as ERA campaign director, what people didn't really know, there were only about a dozen paid staff members of national organizations. You know, the big ones like BPW, AAUW, League, whatever. They only had one person paid on their staff. The rest of it, your your job was to help the volunteers in the states do what they needed to do. Um, so I'm guessing that pushing the boundaries has some of those stories in it? Pushing boundaries is my story. It's a continuation of a lot of the family biographical life experience that I do. And I am telling the story of how a 1953 housewife morphed into a national ERA activist. And there's a journey there, you know, just like Jack. You leave home and you make a journey and you meet people along the way. And actually, the Arts Council of Montgomery County gave me a grant two years ago for the development of the program. And um, so I'm trying to, I am using my story, because I wanted to tell it, actually. <laughs> I wanted to tell it. Uh, my story of how I went from being a traditional high school graduate from Charlotte, North Carolina, that moved north and turned into this uh, strange person, because I want to prompt other women, ordinary women like me, to realize that their story is important. They were yes. part of something that was big and that what they did mattered. And to come forward and not, they don't have to go on stage like I do, but for heaven's sakes, tell your daughters, tell your grandchildren what you did and why you did it. You know, we're learning that from World War II is that um, all of a sudden a very old elderly man turns and tells an incredible story that he's never told. I will tell you an example of that. I was teaching a class at American University on storytelling for seniors. And a guy came in, very elegant guy, lawyer, retired. And I don't care what prompt I gave, take me someplace, I can't go, you know, show me this, show me that. What prompt I gave, he only had one story to tell, and he used the prompt, and he told the next chapter of it. And what it was, was at 19 years old, that guy fell out of a Bombay door of a fortress, a flying fortress over Germany. Fortunately, he had his, pa his parachute on. He survived it and was held prisoner for three years in a German prison camp. And he held that class 
in its grips, the grips of his story, for eight weeks. And when it was over, I said, Bill, have you told this at the Library of Congress? And he said, no. I said, well, sit with me with a tape recorder. I'll listen for you. Tell your story. He said, Eloise, I've never told it before. I'm only telling it one time, and I've just done that. And only ten strangers heard it. His family never heard it. And that, that's an amazing thing. Tell your story. Right. There's just there's just so much loss. Uh, you know, uh, my family, uh, my father's side of the family, my last name being Hillenburg, uh, the original Hillenburg came over as a Hessian and fought with the British and uh, ended up in uh, rural retreat Virginia. And, I, you know, um, there's so much history there. There's so much facts, but there's not really uh, nothing to tell us about him as a person. You know, if there had been something written down uh, that he had written down or something, then we, we'd certainly know him better and we'd get a feel for, for him as a person. And, of course, that would just mean so much to us. And just like this, this is going to be a recording, and it's going to be archived. And if anyone wants to listen to it in the future to find out who Eloise Shuttler is, they can. That's right. And that is so valuable. That is our legacy. You know, our story, no matter how old or what we are, that you usually think only of getting it. I'll tell you one thing I picked up in an archives at the DAR. I was looking for Parks. Parks is one of my surnames. I don't know if James Parks is one of mine, but I sure love him. And I found a letter that he wrote back to his granddaughter in 1893. And she had written and asked for information about his mother and his grandmother, grandfather and his father. And he wrote back and says, my darling granddaughter, I can't tell you much of what you ask, because when they were here and when I could have asked them, I was too interested in fish hooks and pocket knives. And when the time came where I wanted to ask them, my grandfather was just of a foolish nature, and he could tell me nothing. But he ends that letter by saying, the thing I will tell you is there were no famous people among them, but they were all high-minded respectable, church-going Presbyterians. There is no one of whom we are ashamed. I love what you get out of letters. That was awesome. And, and the story about the guy falling out the Bombay door? Isn't that amazing? I hadn't thought about Bill but, but in a long time, but it fits. I mean, it's a story that was his. He kept it, but it was... And it was so vivid. I mean, my God, you were in this ice-cold Bombay as he toppled out. It was just amazing. Um, and he just fell out accidentally? He was dislodging a bomb that got hung up. Well, we're going to take a little break right now, and we'll be back shortly with Eloise Shuttler on Hear Women Tell, where you hear and learn the story behind the story. We'll be right back. Tonight, take an adventure on the Myrtle Beach Ghost Walk. Explore the haunted swamps where alligators and the ghosts from long ago still reside. Stroll across floating walkways beneath the Spanish moss as your pirate guide leads you by lantern and shares 13 spooky tales along the way. The Ghost Walk departs nightly at dusk, only at Barefoot Landing in North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Call 843-361-2700 or visit MyrtleBeachGhostWalk.com for advanced tickets. The Myrtle Beach Ghost Walk. Hi, I'm Annette Martin, hostess of Annette Martin's Psychic World. Now, you may have seen me on television or heard me on the radio as a psychic detective, medical intuitive, and ghost detective. To have a private reading with me, all you have to do is go to annette-martin.com. Look for the button in the upper left-hand corner of the homepage that says, Make an Appointment. Annette-Martin.com Join the party and live it up in Shag City, live Fridays, 11.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Eastern. A call-in talk and music radio show dedicated to the shagging lifestyle, hosted by me, 
Paul Trulove, broadcasting live from the heart of the shag capital of the world, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Shag City is a one-of-a-kind radio show featuring the best in the Grand Strang shag dance and music scene. Here you'll find the latest cool shag news, tunes, and announcements, along with guest appearances from the greatest shaggers of our time. You can listen to Shag City live Fridays at 11.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Eastern here on the Zeus Radio Network for hearwomentalk.com. Shag City, it's crazy, baby. Hi, this is Michelle with LaBellamy Vineyard. You're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio and the Zeus Radio Network. Welcome back to Hear Women Tell. My name is Chris Hillenberg, and we're today we're visiting with Eloise Shuttler. That's uh, wonderful visiting with you. Uh, there's something that I wanted to ask you about. It's called DC Capital Fringe. Tell us what that's about. Well, this is the fifth year that uh, the Capital Fringe has been held here in D.C. It's a nonprofit organization. You can apply to be in it, and then they're going to put up 130 performances down in downtown Washington in various venues during a three-week period of time. It opens July the 8th and runs till July the 24th. And so there'll be people coming in from other other states other cities and they'll be bringing a mix fringes are important because for storytellers because you can do edgy stuff a lot of sexy stuff i don't do any stories about my hot nights in the tropics so i don't fall in under that but i do have my pushing boundaries story which is about my personal experience of morphing from a 1953 southern girl housewife to being a national ERA activist. Some of the things that I did, this is really sort of a little I Love Lucy story. You know, I grew up under the influence of Lucille Ball and Wild Schemes and getting in over your head. And I pretty much have um, acted that way most of my life. I'll say yes when I have no idea what I'm going to do, how to do it, and I have to then begin to learn. I mean, I was invite, asked by uh, the Coalition of Women's Art Organizations at, in New York, asked me to be their lobbyist here in Washington on a voluntary basis, of course. And um, I said, oh, I would love to. I live in Washington. I can easily go downtown and talk to senators and congressmen and whatever. And I came home and I told my husband, and he says, oh, my God, you didn't tell him you could do that, did you? And I said, of course I did. And I learned how to do it. So, And then I got the job with the league and came up with uh, a new idea for the campaign, the National Business Council for ERA. Only one problem. We need a celebrity. They didn't have one available. I didn't know anybody. So I called New York contact, contacts, and Gloria Steinem gave me the name Polly Bergen. And I reached out to Polly. It was an appropriate thing for her to do. And she signed on, and we worked together for two and a half years. And she was the co-chair of the National Business Council for ERA. And we didn't make a huge difference in the campaign. It was too little, too late. It was the right thing to have done ten years before. But we raised money. We raised awareness. And we had a heck of a good time while we broke our hearts. So these all go together to make stories and when I tell this story for women's studies classes because those are my targets storytelling is subversive I want young women today to understand that they can do things they don't think they can do if they just follow their dream or they follow and bumble along because you have a right to make a mistake that's not the end of the world. But you don't even make a mistake if you don't try. And I've always been a trier. So it's got me into a lot of trouble, but it's also got me into a lot of funny experiences. And they're experiences that other women can relate to. This doesn't fit at Jonesboro. This doesn't fit at a festival stage, I don't think. I think people wouldn't touch it. But there are a lot of people that are going to come because it fits the fringe. And I've learned a lot in the last three and a half months, and I am working with my daughter, I'm happy to say, 
who is a social media guru out in California, and we're tapping new markets. I'm working social media not to call storytellers to come hear my story. That'll happen. I want women's groups and sympathetic male members of the audience. I want people who want to hear this story to come. And you have to learn how to find those guys, how to find them, male or female. you got to fill the seats, and you have to learn how to go out and get them. And I'm happy to say that Robin has taught me a lot. And um, it's great working with your daughter. You know, social media is such a great tool. It's it's a great way to get yourself out there, to uh, connect with people who are concerned about the things you are, uh, to, to actually have some conversation with subjects. And I, I really think it's just the beginning uh, with social media to really make these connections with people. Absolutely. And if you don't stay open to it, you know, I think storytellers at this point um, – are beginning now slash Coleman up in Richmond has got his fingers on the pulse of social media uh, and other people do but not a lot of storytellers they're just not getting out there and it's the same problem that women artists had in the 1970s when we were going down to the Washington Women's Art Center here to learn how to survive in the big world which favored men so if you don't have an audience and people aren't coming to you to find out about it, then you better go and find people who are sort of like uh, collaterals to you. They may not be directly, but they might be interested in your content. Do, do sort of is that clear? I mean, yes, I can yes. sort of go around the around the bush about this. But I've always felt, and I think one of the things I'm so grateful to the women's movement and being involved in the women's artists movement is we don't need to be Cinderella. Go and do it for yourself. Like if if uh, you're if I didn't have an exhibition and a gallery wasn't accepting my work, well, hey, I just found four other women or five other women and said. We'll just have a show someplace else. Now let's find a friendly place and we'll put it up and people will see our work. And that's what's important. Get out there, find people, and deliver your message. Um, Eloise, um, did you have a little story you wanted to tell us? I can, and I've been thinking about it. We've gone around the block about this. I have some stuff that I was going to use in um, pushing boundaries. Well, I'll take you back to 1953. I'll tell you just a little excerpt that I've, uh, some of it will be in, some of it won't. 1953 in September, I was my senior year in high school, Charlotte Central High School, Charlotte, North Carolina. And the guidance counselor called me in. And we sat there and she said, Eloise, what are your plans? What are your plans when you graduate spring? What did she mean, what are my plans? She had my folder. She opened it up. She said, you have some options. You've been a leader here. You've got good grades. You, you know, you've been into everything. You have some options. You can go to college. You could probably be a teacher. Maybe you could be a librarian. Uh, you could go to secretarial school. You could be a secretary. Or you could be a nurse. What of those do you think you'd like to do? Now, I was a child of the 50s, and I understood perfectly what she was telling me. I hadn't thought about this, but, you know, I knew what the message was. You need something to do while you wait to get married. Uh That's what you're going to do. You're going to get married, and you're going to have your babies. But you've got to have something to do. I'll be a nurse. She sort of reared back in her chair. That was a surprise. Yes, I'll be a nurse. I'll go to Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, Maryland. That surprised even me. Where did that come from? Y'all go to Baltimore, Maryland, at Johns Hopkins, and I'll be a nurse. She was impressed. I like it when things I say impress people. That must have been a good idea. So that's the plan I adopted. And in September, the next year, 
I got all dressed up, and I got on the Southerner at midnight. My family took me to the train station as it pulled out of the station, headed for Baltimore, Maryland. We were going to drive through the night. Now, I'd never been anywhere. I had never been out of Charlotte um, alone. My gosh, certainly not alone. But my grandmother was an experienced traveler. And she took me aside. And she said, now, always, you don't want anybody to know that you've never gone anywhere on your own. you I got to be careful. You have to put out the right image. So when you get to Baltimore, you've got a trunk and two bags. Find a good, strong man with a red cap on and get him to take your baggage up to the street and put you in a cab. And tip him right. Not enough. Not too much. Just enough. I always did what my granny told me. So when we got to Baltimore, I found a guy wearing a red cap, and I, he took me up to the street, put me in a cab, and I tipped him just enough, not too much. And when the tab, taxi driver turned around and says, Where are you going, lady? I opened up my brand new patent leather purse and reached in and took out a piece of paper and read the address to him. Where are you from? North Carolina. Oh, I could tell by your accent. I should have been put on my guard. He thrust that that lever down and it started ticking away in nickels. Tick, 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 tick. And we did a 30-minute tour of Baltimore on the way to Johns Hopkins Hospital Nursing Home. Wasn't he nice? Yes, wide-eyed. I'm staring out the windows. We got there. He brought my baggage into the reception room. The trunk, the two bags. All right, now, little lady, that'll be $10. $10? This was 1954. That was a lot of money. That was what I had planned to spend for the next week and a half. But I could see by his face that that was what he wanted and that was what he was going to get there was a woman sitting behind a grate where the switchboard the telephone switchboard was and she was laughing she had her hand over her face she was laughing she was laughing at me and when he left she put her hand down and she just cackled well honey I guess you ain't going to do that again (laughs) You've got a lot to learn, kiddo. And that was my introduction to the first time of being away from home. Oh, Eloise, that's a that's a great story. I really enjoyed that. Um, Can you tell people how they can contact you? How they can find your blog? Yes, I can. You can find my storyteller website at www.eloisestory.com. You can find out more about Pushing Boundaries at www.pushingboundariesstory.com. And I post every day on a blog at eloisestory.blogspot.com. I'd love to, and by the way, don't forget, I've already told you about it, but please go to www.facebook.com slash secondwavealbum. And if you have a story, we're waiting to hear it. Oh, that's great. Thanks so much, Eloise. Uh, We've really enjoyed spending time with you today, and uh, I'm glad that you could be with us. Thank you, Chris. Thank you much. Coming up next, we have Linda Goodman with News and Reviews here on Hear Women Tell. You won't want to miss it, and we'll be right back. Are you hungry and looking for something delicious and healthy, convenient, quick, and value-packed? Check out our favorite, Jimmy Sabachi. Everything is sizzling and cooked precisely to order, and they use only the freshest ingredients, including sterling silver premium meats. Try their $5 daily lunch chicken plate with fried rice and veggies, or check out their Korean beef lunch plate with sesame and soy and just a slight touch of sweetness. Mmm. 
For dinner, try their mouth-watering salmon, mahi-mahi, scallops, or tender, juicy filet mignon. You can dine in or take out, and they even have a drive-up window. Jimmy's Hibachi delivers, too. Open seven days a week from 11 a.m. to 10.30 p.m., conveniently located in Myrtle Beach on the corner of Kings Highway and 62nd Avenue North. Call ahead with your order at 839-8008 and download their discount coupon on the hearwomentalk.com website. Scrumptious, fast, healthy, satisfying, and reasonably priced. You'll love Jimmy's Hibachi, 839-8008. Yeah. Hello, race fans. This is Jeff Gilder, creator of RacersReunion.com. When you're in Myrtle Beach, check out my favorite, the Caravelle Resort. The Caravelle Resort has a golf department and concierge with golf privileges at virtually every course on the Grand Strand, including the coveted Dunes Club. And ladies, pamper yourself with Caravelle's Studio Spa. Featuring services such as Swedish massage, heated stone therapy, reflexology, manicures, pedicures, facials, and more. Awaken your senses with the most requested massage and spa therapies. The Caravelle Resort, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, 800-507-9145. Get the best rate on the Grand Strand when you use promo code RACERS at thecaravelle.com. 800-507-9145. Are you spending more time than you want booking appointments for your business? Optimize.com can free you up from answering phones, booking appointments, and rescheduling. All these clerical duties can be automated for you with Optimize.com. Optimize.com seamlessly integrates with your website and manages all your appointment scheduling and rescheduling. You and your customers will receive reminders by email and text messages. Optimize.com supports your business needs, whether you have one-on-one appointments, classes, workshops, or seminars. Sign up with Optimize.com for our 30-day free trial. That's Octomize.com. Hi, this is Michelle with LaBellamy Vineyard. You're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio and the Zeus Radio Network. Welcome back to Hear Women Tell, and we're now at a, our special segment that we have uh, each program with Linda Goodman. Hi, Linda. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Chris. How are you? Good. Linda is going is doing our news and reviews about storytelling in the storytelling community, and I'm very happy to have her today to tell us what's happening. Okay, Chris. You know, in our last broadcast, we talked about the first National Story Slam held in Chicago this past May. Right. And since that time, I've had a number of folks ask me what a story, tam- uh, story slam is. In the summer 2010 edition of Hearsay, the Connecticut Storytelling Center's newsletter, there's an article by Andrea Lovett, who is the co-founder of MassMouth, that addresses this very question. It's the best definition of story slam that I've heard so far. According to Andrea, the story slam follows the same format as a poetry slam. It is a contest of words between known and unknown talent. In MassMouth's case, a theme is posted monthly on its website, and storytellers sign up to tell a five-minute story based on that theme. Ten names are randomly drawn from a box to tell, and stories are judged on how well they are told, constructed, honor the time limit, and relate to the theme. The two highest scoring storytellers at each slam receive prizes and go on to compete at the big mouth off, (laughs) which is the series ending or the season ending event that was held in April this year before a standing room only crowd of 375 people. And if you're out interested in MassMouth at all, you can go to their website, www.massmouth.com. Mm. Storytelling uh, slams are attracting new and younger audience members than traditional storytelling venues. So it sounds like this might be just the shot in the arm that storytelling has been needing. Uh, I'd love to hear some new, sto- some younger storytellers too. That would be great. Yeah, and the good thing is when you look at the winners, uh, and I go into areas that I'm familiar with and look to see who the winners are. Their names I don't recognize. <laughs> so they are really new people right. uh, getting going in this. Uh, in Virginia, here we have two new story slam venues. Right now, uh, one is called Secretly Y'all, and it occurs monthly, 7 p.m., 
at Random Road Books in Charlottesville, Virginia. If you want to tell a story, you can check out the themes at www.secretlyall.wordpress.com. And Secretly Y'all is spelled S-E-C-R-E-T-L-Y-A-L-L. One word and that second Y is left out purposely. Mm. You can sign up to tell by emailing secretlyall at gmail.com. Uh, and they do ask that you for only one theme, or if you want to sign up for two, please don't sign up for two in a row because they don't want to have the same storytellers in two subsequent months. Right, right. Uh, the next uh, Secretly Y'all Story Slam is being held on Sunday, June the 18th, and the theme is Secret Shame. Sounds like fun. <laughs> Should be a good one. Uh, the other New Virginia storytelling series was recently launched in Fredericksburg, and it's called simply Tell. Hmm. It's held monthly at the new Red All Over bookstore in downtown Fredericksburg at 307 William Street. The organizer, Mara Wilson, has launched this live event and a podcast of several of the stories that have been performed. And you can check it out at tellfredericksburg.com. That's T-E-L-L-F-R-E-D-E-R-I-C-K-S-B-R-G.com. And by the way, the posters for this event, which were created by Itty Bitty Press in Richmond, Virginia, and signed and numbered, are collectibles. The next tell is Saturday. July 17th at 8 p.m., and the theme is Independence. The time limit for this particular event is 10 minutes. So if you've got something, shoot Mara an email and tell her about it at Mara, that's M-A-U-R-A, at tellfredericksburg.com. Mm. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? It sounds like a blast. I'd love to go to that. Yeah, and if there are any of you out there with story slams that you'd like to, us to spread the word about, just... Give me a, a shoot me an email at happytales at aol dot com. Mm. Uh, do you have a review for us too? Mm-hmm. I sure do. Uh, as a matter of fact, this week I'm going to review Women of the Sea, a refreshingly unique CD by a storyteller Libby Frank that will leave you shocked, breathless, and wondering why women do not rule the world. <laughs> The CD's two dramatic dramatic stories feature three women who are stronger than their men. In fact, so strong they actually become their men's protectors. First up is The Girl from Botany Bay, the story of Mary Bryant, a convict from Cornwall who led the only successful escape from Botany Bay, Australia's famous penal colony. After a bit of narration... Frank's voice and accent change, and she magically becomes Mary Bryant, born in Cornwall in 1765, to a father who, having no sons, obliges Mary to help him with his fishing boat. Mary's life changes in 1785 after America has won the revolution. In conjunction with new oppressive taxes, I'm scarce. And many, including Mary, resort to stealing to survive. Fortunately, Mary escapes the hangman's excuse me. Fortunately, Mary escapes the hangman's noose, but she is sentenced to seven years in Botany Bay. Mm. Life in Botany Bay starts out all right for Mary and her new husband, Will, but its inhabitants lack the skills needed to cultivate land, and life quickly turns sour. After Will is given 100 lashes for keeping some of the fish he has caught, Mary decides that a change has to be made, and she engineers a daring escape for her family and several others. Sadly, the story takes a tragic turn, but a surprise and welcome ending allow us to say goodbye to Mary without too much sorrow. Fierce Pirate Maidens, the the CD's second story, relates the extraordinary tale of Anne Bonny, a daughter of a plantation owner, and Mary Reed, a child born out of wedlock, who, deciding to live her life as a man, becomes a soldier. Both fall in love, Anne with Calico Jack and Mary with the captured navigator. Mary takes on the role of protector by killing a man who challenges her lover to a duel. Agility and cunning, she finds, are more valuable than mere strength. 
Unfortunately, Anne and Mary's men are neither as strong nor as smart as they are. The men's carelessness eventually leads to the downfall of all four, culminating in a dramatic trial set in 1720. Frank frames fearless pirate maidens with her own exquisite verse, which gives the story an old world fa uh, flavor. Both stories feature mood setting concertina music provided by Bill Bumpus in the background. Mm. Frank Conner's mother used to say, We want our daughters to behave, but we want our heroines to act up. <laughs> Mary Bryant and Bonnie and Mary Reed may not be the ideal daughters. But as heroines, they set a new standard with their bravery, stubbornness, and sheer grit. And Frank has set a new standard in storytelling by bringing them so forthfully and so realistically to life. And if you would like your own copy of Women of the Sea, you can get it by visiting Frank's website at www.libbyfrank.com. The CDs are $15, and there's $1.50 shipping and handling in addition to that. It's recommended for ages 12 through adult. Oh, that sounds great. It does sound great, doesn't it? And it's, it does. it's a good CD. It's a great CD. I enjoyed listening to it. You know, Several we, people that I had listened to it have enjoyed it as well. Hey, you know, we had, uh, I did some, uh, when I first moved here, I found out that there's a very rich history here in Myrtle Beach for pirates actually yeah, and absolutely. Bonnie included and uh so that's that's a great um that sounds like a great story. That's awesome. Well I'm glad you're the first person I've shared this with that has heard of any of these ladies. So I can just <laughs> point them to Myrtle Beach I guess if they ask. Yeah, I get the the uh well that could go on and on about that. But if anybody's interested, uh you can look up a lot of these uh pirate ladies in uh and Bonnie, and who were? What was the other woman's name? Women's names? And Bonnie, Bear, uh, Mary Bryant, and Mary Reed. Right. You can look them up online, and you can find out more about them. Oh uh, yeah. So, Linda, thank you so much for sharing with us uh, today, and I can't wait to hear your next news and reviews. My pleasure, Chris. <laughs> All right, and thanks everyone for listening today, and uh, come back soon and listen to Hear Women Tell where we interview professional storytellers to find out the story behind the story.